Okay, good evening everyone. Uh, let me let me open us in prayer and then we can we can start. Well Father, thank you for again this privilege of being able to study your word and as we begin the minor prophets now we ask that you would uh, please speak to us, uh, point us to Christ, and keep us from error, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so see, Ricardo is not here to help me, so I'll uh, just try and keep on top of everything. So we're looking at the at the minor prophets now. So we finished the major prophets, the five uh, larger books: uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And now we come to the minor prophets. And they're minor not because they're less important necessarily, but just because they're shorter. Okay, so it's these 12 short books at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, in the, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, they call it the Book of the Twelve. So they actually sort of put it as one book, the Book of the Twelve. Um, but it's the same material again, so... As I've said to you before, you don't need to worry that we have something different. It's all exactly the same. It just uh, goes by different different titles. So we're gonna we're gonna go through four books today, Lord willing, two in the first half and then two in the second half. So we want to do Hosea and Joel, and then Amos and Obadiah. So begin with Hosea. So you can turn there in your Bibles, Hosea. And um, uh, it's not in chronological order, these 12 books, uh, until, until after uh, Jonah. I think the books after Jonah are in chronological order, but these first few are not in chronological order. And uh, one of them, we don't actually really know when it was written. There's no sort of references that help us there's no mention of a king who was reigning or some event or anything like that that we can we can say oh there's a there's a a point that we can fix and date this book but Hosea we we do know so if you look at chapter 1 verse 1 the word of the Lord that came to Hosea the son of Beri in the days of Uzziah Jotham Ahaz and Hezekiah kings of Judah and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. That's Jeroboam the second. Jeroboam the first was directly after Solomon, if you remember, when the kingdom divided between Jeroboam in the north and Rehoboam, Solomon's son, in the south. That was the, the, divide, the start of the divided kingdom after Saul, David, and Solomon. And so... Uh, Hosea is during the reign of these kings, and he's speaking primarily to Israel, to the northern kingdom. So we date his sort of ministry from about 740 to 715 BC. Anyone remember when the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians? What date? That's the that's Judah five eighty six. It's, it's seven twenty two, BC. So 
722 BC is when the the northern kingdom, Israel, falls to the Assyrians. Okay. So Hosea is a prophet to to Israel, and uh, remember, I've said to you before, you didn't you didn't want to be a prophet. Okay. Um, we saw with Ezekiel, remember the Lord made him do some very strange things. Uh, sort of walk around naked for many days. He made him also, he said, I'm going to take your wife. I'm going to kill your wife and you're not allowed to cry. Um, and Ezekiel. so, yes. Yeah. Ezekiel. Yes. So uh, there were these very difficult things that they had to do. Now here, Hosea is told, verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. So he is told to marry a prostitute. Um, and he... he he may well have been quite young. We know that other kings and other in the scriptures, you know, he could have been a young teenager. But he's told to do this and he obeys. He obeys the Lord. He goes and takes Gomer and uh, she falls pregnant. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And so the, the Jezreel was a place where Jehu shed a lot of blood. And it's the, it's the name now to say, I'm going to end the, the house of Israel and the line of kings. So that's the first child. Verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name, No Mercy. No mercy. Um, so, you see in the footnote, Lo Ruhama. Okay, Lo Ruhama. For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. Okay, so, very, uh, very uh, sobering words. Uh, very scary words. The Lord says, I'm not going to have mercy on Israel anymore. Verse 7, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. Verse 8, when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people, or lo ami, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. I don't know if you remember when we started the series, I said to you, you know, what's the overarching theme of the whole Bible? And even last week, we saw it again that um, it's a, uh, we saw the phrase repeated, I will, you will be my people and I will be your God. That, that phrase is repeated throughout the Old and the New Testament. And so the, the storyline, the meta narrative of the whole Bible is God glorifying himself by getting a people for himself and being their God. And now you have the exact opposite. You are not my people, and I'm not your God. So very, very sobering uh, 
message from the Lord. And notice how he uses the prophet and him taking a prostitute as a wife, as a symbol of what Israel has become. And then the children are there to, to portray the different aspects of judgment. But then right at the end, we have this. Uh, verse 10, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Sons of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So, after that proclamation of judgment, straight away, there's a proclamation of restoration. That they will be sons of the living God. It's quite a startling statement, because you would expect it to say, uh, in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it, sh it shall be said to them, you are my people. But it doesn't say that. It says they shall be called, shall be said to them, sons of the living God. Very intimate statement. Uh, sons of the living God. And actually, Paul uses this in Romans he, chapter 8. Verse 14, he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And in chapter sounds very New Testament. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he uses it again in Romans chapter nine. So mm. it's it's very intimate. I know, you know, you say, well, it sounds a bit sexist, but remember what I've said before that sons in the ancient Near Eastern world were the only ones who received an inheritance. Uh, and and so they received all these benefits while daughters did not. So when he's saying <clears throat> all the God's people will be sons, it's mm. saying all God's people is going to be treated, are going to be treated the best, okay? are going to receive their inheritance. Okay? So it's not actually anti-woman, it's actually the opposite. Okay? Um, so, but still, Hosea has to go through this. Okay? She actually leaves him. Um, she continues to be unfaithful. And it's a picture of Israel. So remember, we've seen this, that, that God uses images or people to illustrate uh, the nation's sin. Um, so uh, it, it's very similar to Ezekiel. We, we saw that in, in Ezekiel, this very earthy language of immorality. So chapter 2. Uh, plead with your mother, verse two. Plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, for I am not her husband. Then she, that, that she put away her whoring from her face, and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and make her like a parched land, and kill her with thirst. Um, and it carries on like that. And the reason is, if you look at verse five, halfway through, for she said. I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I, so the, the image for Israel is idolatry. So they're going after these false gods, the gods of the other nations. And a lot of it is economic. Okay? This is how we make money and we trade with them. And so we, we put confidence in material things and money. And, 
and then we are influenced by their gods because remember they had gods for all the different things um, and so that's the analogy here she's putting her confidence in all of these things so it it, it has 100% application for us today because whenever we are putting our ultimate confidence in something and ultimate satisfaction in something that's idolatry okay? and we're forsaking the Lord uh, who loves us um, okay, so he, he talks about her pursuing these lovers, but they won't satisfy her. Um, and then he says he's going to bring punishment. But then after that, look at verse 14 of chapter 2. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And so even in the midst of that, in the midst of uh, her continuing Israel, continuing to go after false gods, false lovers, he says, I'm still going to, to love her. Verse 16. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. And no longer will you call me my Baal or master. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on the day with the beasts of the field, etc. Um, and so there's a, a promise of restoration. Uh, verse 23 of chapter 2. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people... You are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. So, uh, one of the, the very interesting things when we come to these minor prophets is how the New Testament uses, the, the New Testament authors use uh, these books. So, um, can you think of an author who says something along these lines, you were not a people, are now the people of God. Yes, in, in a certain way, I think a more direct way is Peter. Peter says that. He has a dream and he goes to see the Romans. Oh, it's in one of his epistles in First Peter. Okay. We were aliens, and, and, he, and Paul says that in, in Ephesians. So we, we're, we are brought in now, but notice that the, they're taking a, a prophet who's talking to the nation of Israel and they are now applying these principles to Gentiles. Okay. So what this means is, and this is a debate in, in, amongst Christians, but the way I, I would see it is that, uh, and when we'll look at this especially when we get to Romans chapter 9, that... There is ethnic Israel chosen by God to, to preserve his oracles and they're given his law and his covenant. But not all ethnic Israel are, are believers. We, that's very clear. Okay, I hope you know that. Uh, there are actually very few who are true believers all the way through. So uh, there is, and Paul says this, not all Israel is Israel. So not all ethnic Israel is spiritual Israel. So within the, the, the nation, there is a 
smaller circle or a smaller thread made up of the elect, true believers. And that, even in the Old Testament, is also made up of some Gentiles. Think of, can you think of some Gentiles who have become believers? Yes, I think some of them. Uriah was a Hittite. Ruth, a Moabite. Moses was alive. Hittites. She was a... I forget, yeah. Um, uh, there's, there's especially the... Um, well, what's Caleb was a Kenite. The leg off the wall... Um, also, uh, uh, Rahab. Rahab. Rahab, yes. Mm. She was a Canaanite. Was Timothy's. Just says his father was a Greek. He doesn't necessarily say his father was a believer. His, his mom was a was believer, a but I don't know if she was a Jew because he had to be circumcised. No, she was a Jew, but yep. the Bible says that his dad it was, was a Greek. Greek. Yes. So, the so when he then followed Paul, Paul then, then Paul he... circumcised him. Just so that the other Jews would so have would, a problem. He could get into the synagogue. And it was synagogues. weird because it came mm. after that old debacle of having gone to Jerusalem to say, stop telling these people to, to get circumcised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those people then became part of Israel, but mm. the true Israel. So in the new covenant, I would argue that that line still continues. There's not a break. Because all of those people were saved by faith. And even now, uh, Paul says that the children of faith are the children of Abraham. That's what he says in Galatians. So the true descendants of Abraham are not genetic. Even he says that in Romans. Uh, It's not circumcision of the flesh that makes you an Israelite. It's circumcision of the heart, he says. So uh, Peter and Paul and the apostles can apply these promises given to ethnic Israel in their fulfillment, are now applied to spiritual Israel made up of Jew and Gentile. Okay. So, uh, I hope that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, otherwise, the Bible, really, you battle with it. And you're going to have to say things like, yeah, but they're just using it in a weird way. Or, um, but this is important because what it means is... Um, And I believe that God is preserving ethnic Israel, ethnic Jews, as a distinct nation. Because no nation that has been removed from its land has lasted as a a, a unique ethnic group for more than a few generations. And Israel was removed from its land in 80, uh, I think it's 130 or something like that. Mm. The Emperor Hadrian took all the Jews out of Israel, all of them. They started at the top with a line of soldiers with their arms interlinked and they walked through the whole land and every time they came across a Jew, they, they removed them out of the land. Sure. Okay. Why? Because they kept causing trouble. Oh. <laughs> uh, and they took all the Jews out of the land and, um, <coughs> and yet in every city there's a synagogue, there's a Jewish community. And so I believe that's one of the, uh, one, one uh, theologian said, you know, how do you know the Bible's true? And he said, the Jewish nation. The fact that they've been preserved for 2,000 years out of their land is a miracle. It's an act of God because God has promised to save Jews and Gentiles all the way through history. Uh, and so he is, he is doing that. Um, but 
It is the, the believers, Jews and Gentiles, who are the true Israel. Okay? Mm. It doesn't mean just because you have the DNA of Abraham that you're going to heaven or something. So even though uh, the Jews today have denied Jesus, they're not believers. God stole He's That's what I'm saying is God still keeps to his promise in preserving them. He's preserving them so that out of that group he is saving. There are Jews being saved all the time. Um, they are Christian Jews. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's it, 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 it's not I see it. Okay, so it's not just about the Jews. It's, it's about God's promises. Okay. That he's promised to preserve Jews and Gentiles. And if you look at history, it it's really, you know, put, Nations have been persecuted, yeah. but not really on the level of the Jews. Mm. It's not just the Holocaust. You can go through history. There were the pogroms mm. in, in uh, Russia, where, mm. where again, they, they, at certain periods of time, they've sought to annihilate the Jewish race. It's like a mm. genocide. Because if Satan can do that, then God's promises fall flat. Because he's promised to save Jews and Gentiles. If there's Even no more Jews left, God has kept them. Um, hmm. But just because you have the DNA does not make you a little bit closer to God. There are many benefits, Paul says, and I think he's talking more about the, the Jews at the time of, of Christ. But uh, it's always those who believe. And so the, the, um, the Peter will use a passage like this to now say to the G- Gentiles, we are called now the people of God. We were not the people of God, but now we're part of the people of God. Um, and we'll pick up, as we go through these minor prophets, remarkable passages that the apostles take and apply to the New Testament church. Okay, Okay. so um, chapter 3, verse 1, And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. So here Gomer has uh, gone back to her former ways. Uh so she's left him, and he says to him, he says to Hosea, go back to her. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Isn't that amazing? They, they forsake the true and living God for cakes of raisins. Okay? Mm. And cakes of raisins are also an aphrodisiac. So it's again sp- speaking about their lust. Okay? They're rejecting God for their lusts. But God continues to love them. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a, and a homer and a lethark of barley. So he redeems her. You see, he, re, he buys her back as Christ redeems us. Um, and I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children are the application to Israel. So you see, there's this, this interplay between Hosea and Gomer, what, what they must do, and then the application to God and Israel. So there's chastening, okay? So she's, there are restrictions replaced upon her. She's not allowed to do certain things, and God is saying that to Israel. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Okay, so God is going to... Days depict years, actually. I mean years. Yes, yeah. God is going to remove everything. God judges them. Uh, they, they are going to exile. They don't have temple. They don't have sacrifices. They don't have any of those things. 
Verse 5, Afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Okay, So we're getting some uh, last days is another way that could be. Okay. Um, and last days is a, a broad term. Okay, it, it refers to the the inauguration, the continuation, and the consummation of the final age. Okay? That's really our age. Okay. Yes. Between Christ's first coming and his second coming. Um, because Jesus says there's this age and then the age to come. So this age is the last days. Okay. The age to come? Is the new heaven and new earth. Eternity. So here he says, look, but I'm going to bring you back. Okay? So this is a remarkable picture of the love of God. Okay. And it's true for us. How often do we betray the Lord? We're unfaithful to the Lord. And yet he continues to, to love us. Okay. And here uh, Hosea has to enact that for the nation. Okay. So his life is a picture for the nation okay. um, of God's love for, for Israel. Who, who did Hosea write? Yes. Well, it seems like it. Uh, verse chapter three, verse one. And the Lord said to me, "Go again." Mm. Okay. So was he like? <laughs> yeah. Was he sort of just like while these things were happening to him, when his kids gave birth, was he like out in public saying, "Look, this is." May yes, it seems like it. Go and tell Israel, okay. this is. Jezreel, and this is what I'm going to do. And, um, okay, then chapter 4, we, we have the reason for the, the judgments. Okay, so remember, God is always just. He never judges. It's, he's never just random or arbitrary, malicious, you know. Oh, I just feel like hurting people or something. Mm. It's always just. And so it's going to go through the reasons why they are being judged. And um, uh, verse 6, my people are destroyed. This is chapter 4. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. Um, it, it goes through a lot of things. This period, it is interesting that this period in Israel's history, just before the destruction, is actually a time of prosperity. Uh, things are going well. Yes. Um, sorry, if you don't mind, uh, could you talk about verse six a bit more, just like, like a bit more, like context? Okay. Is that does that apply to, like us as believers, or does it apply to even like uh, non-believers or people who are like genuinely ignorant of, of like the Bible and like Jesus and stuff like that? Yeah, so this would be, so it's my people. So it's, the, it's Israel. Mm -hmm. Ethnic Israel. Ethnic Israel, okay. who are in covenant with God, mm -hmm. but they are destroyed because they don't have knowledge. And remember, we looked at the wisdom literature. Mm. Pursue knowledge with, mm. with all your might, with all your strength. Chase after knowledge and wisdom. And pass it down mm. to your children. Yes. So stop doing it's the most valuable thing. It's more precious than gold and silver and all of those things. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so 
they stopped seeking the Lord and wanting to know about Him. Okay. And so they are being destroyed because they don't, they don't know God. Um, and they've rejected knowledge. So it's not so much an ignorance of, you know, we just didn't know. It's, okay, it's a right. willful rejection. We don't want to know. Okay. Okay, we don't want to know about God. We're living our lives. It's going well. There's a lot of, as I said, there's a lot of prosperity actually at this time. Um, uh, we'll see when we get to, to um, Amos, we'll see the luxury. It's, it's decadent. Mm. Now, you can imagine how they're thinking, because remember the, 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 uh, the blessings and curses in Deuteronomy were, if you are close to me, things will go well for you. Mm. So they are thinking, we're rich. Ah. Uh, the kingdom has expanded to the sort of the times of David. We're prospering. We must be right with God. Mm. And th- they don't realize judgment is right at the door. Because pretty much uh, things are going now in the church in this day and age. In the parts, bless me, you know, the bless me club. In parts of the world, yes. No. Not in you wouldn't say in Indonesia or China, mm, but in no, the I'm saying like in, in the Western in, Church, yes. It's yeah. um, it's uh, it's it's very similar to the Church at Laodicea. You know, yeah. you say you're rich, but you don't realize you're poor. You say you can see, but you don't realize you're blind. You say you're well clothed, you don't realize you're naked. So definitely, it's. It's exactly that. They, they, they said, you know... So God wasn't necessarily saying, like, if you stay close to me, you'll be physically rich. Or is that literally what he meant? No, he did mean that, but okay. the, um, it's not so much in a wooden way. So it's not to say... Um, so there can be blessings... And remember, God is patient. So sometimes he allows us to continue in a certain path. Mm. Want to call, and his patience is there to call us to repent. Mm. Uh, but if we keep spurning him, then eventually he, 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 he shuts that door or he, okay. he brings consequences. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but then he... Uh, if you don't have the knowledge, you don't know you out of whack. If you, you deceive. You don't You don't have the knowledge to know that you're out of whack. Well, God sent prophets. So that's why he says you don't have knowledge. So then... Because you you're going to be destroyed. Rejected the knowledge. Yes. So God was gracious. He sent prophets to tell them the truth mm-hmm. and to call them to repentance. But they rejected the prophets. Remember, Jesus said that. I sent you prophets, but you, you rejected them. Now remember, we're not saying that every... We're talking generally for the nation. Remember, even, even with Judah, when it's God judges Judah, there's still your Daniels, your Shadrachs, your Meshachs, Abednegoes, your mm-hmm. Jeremiahs. Your, there's always faithful people. But this is one of the things that even within that, in, in communities, God deals corporately. So even within a community, um, you know, if God can judge a community for their sin and righteous people within that are also going to suffer. Okay. Mm. Um, those two. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I would argue yes, definitely. Um, the, <laughs> well, the cross is not fair. 
So. Oh, I, I believe that. I believe that's what's happening to South Africa right now, because of the sins of the father. So the the previous generation, uh, but within that those that generation, there were people that were. That loved the Lord. That loved the Lord, loved people of yeah. all uh, ethnic groups. But then but I, I believe it's overall now, there's a this whole country is getting oh, okay. um, a lesson. Yeah. So God, we so I I agree with that, um, and we see that in oracles of of judgment on the nations. Because remember, we mustn't make that that error. The Old Testament is dealing with nations. The New Testament, it's the church. Okay. So it's not like South Africa are the people of God or were the people of God or, or oh, ever okay. will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always the church. Yeah. But God will judge the church because He even says judgment begins at the household of God. So it's not. It's, so even in the New Testament, it's not necessarily dealing with individuals. If you get what I'm saying. Uh, it is often. So if a church doesn't deal with individual sin, and and remember the warning is a little yeast mm. leavens the whole lump. Yeah. So if a church continues not to deal with sin. It's going to affect the whole community, and then God will have to judge the whole, the whole community. But even though there might be, you know, and that's why so much of the the, the judgment comes is to point it, or the warnings are pointed towards leaders. Because let's say it's a, it's a an elderly lady who's godly, who's a real prayer warrior, who loves the Lord, mm. but the church, the leaders are corrupt. And, and they are, are not dealing with sin in themselves and in the church, that church is going to suffer. And that lady is going to suffer in that community because of... And that's why you see the Lord get so angry with the Pharisees because the widows and the vulnerable are taken advantage oh, okay. of. So they're basically going to suffer by like, association. Yes. Then, yes, it's not that they're being okay. punished okay. Like, okay. Okay. For, okay. for the sins of others. Okay. You're not guilty. Not guilty. But, but like, you're going to experience the sufferings. Yeah, okay. Like they got exiled, but Daniel and then got taken, but they yeah. prayed three times a day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, but in that way... with them, and mm. was exiled with them, and was in Babylon with them. Mm. In that way, it's really a picture of Christ, hey? Because Christ is, un, is, is punished for sins he never committed. And so, it's following in the footsteps of Christ to say, um, we go through this, uh, trusting the Lord. Okay, okay so um, uh, it talks about their their uh, immorality, the reason for their their sin. Uh, sorry, for their judgment. Um, verse six. I'm just going to give you a few examples of things, important verses. Um, Verse 6 of chapter 6, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So it's not as though it seems that they were still doing those things. They were still doing sacrifices and burnt offerings. But their hearts are far from God and the prophets often rebuke that. You know, These people draw near to me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They were doing their external things 
but living ungodly lives. And that's still the same today. It doesn't matter if you go to church and give money, sing the top of your voice, wave your hand, look spiritual. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we if we con if we if we live ungodly lives, we're not fighting sin. We're not talking about perfection. We 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 will stumble. We will fall. But we should be fighting. But if we're just doing that, ticking a box, then God hates that. Okay. Um, okay, and then chapter 8, he talks about that, that they're going to reap what they sow. Remember, Paul says that in Galatians, doesn't he? If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption and death. Okay. Um, Okay, chapter 11, verse 1, important verse. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now, Matthew will quote this verse when, you remember the Lord Jesus, when Herod tried to kill, kill him, they fled to, to Egypt. And then they waited there until the angel told them, look, Herod is dead now and you can go back. And then Matthew says this was to fulfill the prophecy. When Israel was a child, I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son. So very interesting. Matthew reads this passage. Now, the first thing Hosea is talking about here, he's talking to Israel and he's saying, he's talking about the Exodus, isn't he? He's saying, uh, I loved you and I, I delivered you out of Egypt. Okay, I saved you out of Egypt. But Matthew reads it and he sees it pointing ultimately to Christ. Okay. Because Christ, as we saw in the servant songs as well, especially Isaiah 49, is the true Israel. And when we get to the Gospels, we'll see how beautifully Jesus imitates the life of the nation of Israel, yet without sin, without failure. And so uh, this is important because, at least at Heritage, if you've been there a while, hopefully you'll know that we believe that everything points us, everything in the Bible points us to Christ. Mm. Uh, Now you're saying that uh, Jesus, his whole um, map of his movements was the same movement as Israel through the desert, over the over the... Uh, or imitates it, not exactly, but yeah. So you can see that 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 movement. But we'll we'll get to that. So it's forty days in the desert. Was there forty, 40 years. years in the desert? And, so it's it's oh. very very beautiful to see that. Um, so we believe that it's all pointing us to Jesus. Okay, Jesus Himself says in Luke twenty four, the law, the prophets, the writings all point to me. Um, so. He told the, the Pharisees, the scriptures are talk about me. So we see, we want the same hermeneutic. What we mean by that is the same principles of interpretation as the apostles. So that the apostles, when they read the Old Testament, they're seeing Jesus. They're seeing the nation of Israel. So Paul can see, they read the story of Adam. And he says, there's a better Adam. There's a second Adam, Christ. Um. Uh, Matthew, it seems, 
is doing several things, but definitely one of them is he's saying Jesus is the true David. Okay. So he reads about David and he says Jesus is the true David. But he also seems to be saying, we read about Moses, the lawgiver, but there's a, a true Moses, Jesus. Hmm. Sermon on the Mount, hmm. Mount Sinai, the giving of the law, all of those things. There's similarities. Um, and here he reads, he looks at the life of Jesus. Jesus is delivered out of Egypt. And he says, that's a fulfillment. Jesus is the true Israel. Just as the nation of Israel was in Egypt and delivered, so Jesus himself even goes into Egypt and is brought out. Mm. Okay. So, um, just an interesting one, because I, I like to use that, because it's become sort of popular now to say Christianity is a white man's religion. Okay. Mm. So, well... Really? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a... It's quite a big movement to say that it was the colonizers. Yeah, he wasn't white, but they're saying that it, it, it was brought in by what. When you go to history, it's oh, the Queen of Sheba comes to Israel and sets up a community. We know that there was an ancient community still continues in that in that part of the world. Jesus came to Africa. He never went to Europe. It's interesting. Mm. Jesus was in Africa, not in Europe. Um, so. It's just historically inaccurate to say that. Yeah. Um, Christianity was in Africa before Europe. Oh, yeah. Judaism was in Africa before Europe. So yeah, the Jordan, the Ethiopia. Yeah, the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm. Um, so just important. So if, if you ever have that d- discussion, just say, no, it's, it's not true. You know, you, mm. the, these <laughs> things came to Africa long before white people got here. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Before you are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. And then we see the the Lord again, his heart, verse 8 of chapter 11. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? You know, uh, verse 9, I will not execute my burning anger. You see the turmoil of the Lord here, you know, his love, but... But Israel's behaving so terribly, and yet he's trying. He's trying to win her and woo her, and she continues to rebel, and he's left with no choice but to judge her. But he can't ultimately destroy her. He draws her back again, and he's, he, there's the promise that you will be my people again. Uh, you will be my wife again. So, um, okay. Chapter 14, the end of the book. Verse 1, return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Uh, I forgot to mention, that's this, this, uh, these words, seek and return, are very important. And, um, and that's really a picture of repentance. If they will seek the Lord and return to Him, He will forgive them. Okay. And so, always... The promise, you know, if we repent, if we seek, we'll find. If we return to the Lord, come back to Him, uh, then He forgives us. Um, and then it ends, the last verse, verse 9 says, Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. So, um, it's right at the end it says, if you're wise, listen to what I'm saying. Now, during his ministry, 
see Israel falls. Mm. So who is he talking to? Who is he saying, listen to what I've been saying? Who's left? In Israel. Judah. 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 Judah is left. The sister. That's the language of scripture. will say your sister. Mm. Judah is left. And so the warning is, Judah, look at what happened to your sister. Mm -hmm. Look at what happened to Israel. Look what God did to her because she she would not listen. If you're wise, you will learn from her example. And that's a principle in Proverbs. You know, learn from other people messing up their lives. Learn from other people making wrong choices. That's just a wisdom. You know, you don't have to go. We don't have to go the same way. Um, and Judah, we're told, listen. But do they listen? No. Ultimately not. Okay, okay that brings us to Joel. Um, okay, so this is a um, we don't know when Joel is written. Okay, we know that it's the time of the temple because this, there are still sacrifices. So probably before five eighty six, but it could have been after because they rebuilt the temple. Okay. But it's not during the exile okay. Okay, when Jerusalem and the temple are destroyed. But we don't know. Um, but we think that it's talking about the Babylonian invasion of um, Judah. So he's writing before that. Like also, also a warning. A warning Judah. to Judah. Um, and he uses this image of locusts. That's what he's well known for. It's this very powerful image of a swarm of locusts. Verse 4. What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What, what the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hop, etc. Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste. So he uses the image of locusts, and locusts were a big problem. They still are in many parts of the world. I think we watched a David Attenborough documentary the other day, and they just showed these swarms of locusts incredible frightening but locusts in scripture because remember Deuteronomy the promise is if you disobey me I will send locusts and famine and pestilences because it's an agrarian culture so locusts will wipe out your your harvest you have no food you have nothing to trade with you have nothing to eat it's devastating and if the locusts lay eggs your next season is also going to be Wiped out. So it's a, it's a, it's huge. Okay, and then he turns to a nation. So the locusts are like an image of this nation that's going to come and wipe them out. And so I think that's a good description of the Babylonian Empire because they do come and flatten everything ultimately in five eighty six. And the lion, the emblem was a lion with wings or something, right? Yes. Um, so uh, it's a, it's a. It's it's most likely 
point talking about the Babylonians. Um, and he calls them to lament, calls them to repent, like the, the prophets do. And we get this, we find this word, day, or this phrase, day of the Lord. Okay. Day of the Lord. Very important phrase. And um, uh, the other prophets will also talk about the day of the Lord. And what the day of the Lord is, is uh, there are sort of days of the Lord, and then there is a big day of the Lord coming. Okay. Uh, so throughout history, really, there are days of the Lord. There are days where the Lord comes, uh, and the image of Scripture will be He comes on the clouds and He brings judgment. Okay, so for for Judah, it's when the Babylonians come. That's a day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when He brings judgment. Well, it depends which side you're on. Okay, so um, uh, we'll 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 look at that. I think after the break, but. Uh, just to say that, that it's there. But it's all a shadow and a type of the final day of the Lord. When the Lord returns in power and majesty and destroys his enemies on his white horse. That's what they're all pointing to. So every, um, you know, every earthquake, every tsunami, every... Um, you know, act of destruction is a little picture. It's a little day of the Lord. It's an act of God's judgment. But those aren't God's judgments. It's quite clear in the Bible. They aren't. No, no, it's a fallen world. It's things happen. It's a broken world. No, no, he says here, shall, shall evil come and I have not done it? Shall destruction come and I have not done it? It's all the Lord. The Lord's doing it. Um, they have a judgment. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he, because he talks, the, he talks about the tower. The, uh, the disciples talk about the tower of Babel, and they said that those people sin uh, more than we did. Is that why those twenty-eight people died, or twenty whatever people died because yeah. the tower landed on them? He said, "No, this is a cursed world." No, he didn't say that. Or fallen world. He said, "No, the things will happen as long unless as you, you also, them. unless you repent, you will also likewise perish." That's what he says to them. Oh, okay. So, so they, they did sin. Yeah, we're all going to die. No, I'm saying the we're, people that got crushed. Well, it, it's an act of everyone is going to die. So that's the day of the Lord. So if, if I die today, that's my day of the Lord. Okay. okay. For me personally. Yeah, right. Okay. But, so the day of the Lord in Scripture, so we're jumping ahead now, but... When you meet the Lord. <laughs> is, yeah. Okay. Right. So it's like that... Uh, um, Let's say the police are not corrupt, okay, and they're good. If you, if you, if your car is stolen, and five seconds later the police arrive, you're excited. You're like, great, the police are here. If you're the guy who's stolen the car, and five seconds later the police arrive, you're not too happy. So it depends which side of the law you're on. Will determine your relationship to the police, okay. Whether you like them or not. Okay, so your, your, your death might be joyous because you know you're going to be with the Lord. Uh, 
Or it might be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Good. It depends on your relationship to the Lord. So if you're right with God, the day of the Lord is a glorious thing. You, that's how the scriptures end. John says, even so, Lord Jesus, come. We want him to come. We want uh, an end to the misery and injustice and sin and all these things. We want a new heaven and new earth. But if you're not right with God, it's a horrific thing. Okay? Yeah. The day of the Lord. So, uh, yeah, it's like that. So, uh, we're all going to die. And it's because of sin. The wages of sin is death. Even believers... It's ours is falling asleep, but we still there's still a even if you're if, if the Lord returns, there's still a your old body is is dies and you get a glorified body. Nobody gets out alive. Yeah. <laughs> um so so this old nature still has to be properly finished off. Um okay, so uh it's a warning of judgment and God is uh, is gonna judge them, but he's also going to Bring restoration. And he says this in verse uh, 25. I will restore to you the years. This is chapter 2. The years that the swarming locust has eaten. The hopper, the destroyer. So the promise of restoration. And then he says this in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now, where, where, where do we find that? Where do we find that uh, quotation? Who quotes this passage? No, it's Peter on the day of Pentecost. Really? Yeah. Okay, so remember day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Yeah, and they're speaking in other languages, and the people are like, what's going on here? These guys must be drunk. Peter says, no, it's too early. He obviously hadn't, didn't hang around some places. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter what time it is. Uh, but uh, he says, no, it's too early. They're not drunk. And then he says, I will tell you what this is. Now, what is he? He's explaining the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that these people are now speaking language. They're speaking God's truth in languages they didn't learn. And he says, this, verse 16, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So they're saying, what's going on here? He says, I'll tell you what it is. That prophecy in Joel, and in the last days it shall be God declares. So, So he's saying, these are the last days. Peter is saying right now, this thing is the last days. This is him pouring out his spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Now, do you see what Peter is doing? Peter is saying, do you know what this is? This is the, the moon turning to blood. This is an apocalyptic event. So this is quite common in Scripture. People get caught up with this. They say, you know, well, we had a blood moon or something. That's not what it's talking about. So it's not physically blood. It's not, no. It's, we, oh, the moon turning red. It's not physically happening. No. It's apocalyptic language. It's saying, it's cosmic language. It's saying when huge events happen in redemptive history, 
or even in political history, because Proverbs will say when a, when a slave becomes a king, the foundations of the earth shake. You know, it will use language like that. When things are out of kilter, it uses this cosmic language. Or when something massive happens, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is an is a eschatological act. It's a cosmic act. It's like the, the moon turning to blood and all of these things. It's huge. Okay, it's almost, this is like apocalyptic language. It's inv- pulling back. This is massive. We need to realize that God has given us his spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within us uh, so that we can fight sin, uh, so that we will never be lost. It's, it's huge. That's what, what Peter is saying. I will tell you what's happening. This is what is happening. Um, and so he, he takes it and says, it's a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Um, so when people use this to um, justify the idea of um, you know, speaking in tongues and prophesying and all kinds of things, um, so Acts 2 would be a good candidate to explain why they are wrong in their understanding because it's as, it's as if Peter is expounding this. Yeah, because talking in tongues is you're not talking in babbling, you're not babbling, you're talking in someone else's language that you don't understand, but they do. Yeah, and they also the one the idea of prophecies and dreams. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, so um, um, I, I, um, I, I don't see a problem with with a a continuation that of visions and dreams. So God. There are many testimonies of that. God still uses that, especially it seems, especially in the in the Muslim community, God uses dreams a lot to bring people to salvation. Um, so um, the tongues and that are, that that's another discussion we'll we'll have to get to. What is the purpose of other languages? What is the purpose of the the supernatural healings? But but that we'll we'll discuss. Okay, so then um, it, uh, it continues just talking about judgment, but then also uh, uh, restoration at the end. Okay. Um, restoration for Judah and Jerusalem at the end. Okay, well, let's, let's stop there, take a 15-minute break, and then, and then we'll come back.